Welcome to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guest is Father Son. The world is an absurdly small place, and this episode is a prime example of that. The way I heard about Father Son is through my good friend Chris Platt, who's been on the show before, and who also has toured with them for quite a while. I couldn't be happier for the connection because I can easily say that these guys have become one of my new favorite bands. They're a rock band from Scotland that make me think of Weezer, but with heavier guitars and cooler attitudes. There's an honesty and a generous nature that you only tend to find with Scottish people, and that shines through within this talk. If you're unfamiliar with Father Son, trust me when I say you're going to love him. You're listening to the 405 Exchange with Father Son. Enjoy. So tell me, how have these last couple days been in New York for you? Amazing. I love New York. Well, this is the second time we've been over, and I, I, it's probably my favorite city. We had a couple of really good shows, uh, another good another show tonight, which hopefully is set to be a nice one. We don't get over to America very often, so like yeah. we've got some really uh, dedicated fans over here that have like been coming to all the shows, and it's just been nice to kind of catch up and see people. Yeah, I think tonight tonight's a good one because, like, the Thursday show and the Friday show. It's mad that people are travelling, but they were really good for like people who stayed in New York. Yeah. So like we played at seven o'clock on Thursday, which meant that people could like finish work and then come to show. And then in the afternoon yesterday, people like left the office early to come see the show. But tonight's like a Saturday night thing, so I know that in terms of like fans of the band, this is the one they're going to come to because yeah. it's like Saturday night and they can like yeah. let their hair down. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. It seems like a weird sort of. Great Gatsby-esque <laughs> dark <laughs> place. Already. Yeah, this is a very like weirdly uh, interiorated designed uh, dressing room. I don't yeah. even know how to describe it. It's just kind of weird. I yeah, think Great Gatsby is the closest thing. Yeah, yeah, like blue velvet seats. It's yeah. kind of bougie. Yeah, there's chandeliers. Like, there's an octopus statue inside <laughs> what looks like a weight. I only just noticed that. That's kind of a sick octopus statue. Uh, yeah, that's cool. yeah, that's some cool stuff. <laughs> and it weighs a kilogram yeah. <laughs> um, you've been posting on social media how the last few shows you've done have been some of your most favourite shows particularly the most like recent UK tour that you did yep. I know it might sound like the usual thing to say but I could tell when you were posting about that and just like the pictures I saw of the shows the expressions that you had it seemed to ring very true what do you think it is that made that tour kind of different for you look? they were all busy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was first like we've been, from the start of the band we've always been like a Scottish band and we've like been lucky enough that we've sold, been selling out shows in Scotland and certain places like in England for a while now but it's the first like full run where everywhere it seems like it's since we released that last album it's just been like a nice step up and uh, the shows are all great and just a nice we're, I think we really love that album that we put out and it's nice to see that that's been the one that's resonating with people and kind of moving the band forward yeah for sure it's, yeah it's nice, it's nice to not have to worry about going to anywhere in the UK and then not being people there we went to places that we've never been to there and there was more people than the last time we toured the UK and places that we'd had played a lot. So yeah. it's very like, we're very lucky this band, in our opinion, keeps getting better and it keeps getting bigger. And that is class. That's like, really wicked. Like, uh, I want to jump into the album, but, you know, I guess the main thing to ask about, considering that you guys do play live a lot, even in regards to your previous album, you played a lot live a lot. 
how much did the way you play live inspire the recording towards the album? Because obviously, being in the studio, being live is a very different thing. But I imagine being on the road a lot just kind of innately is in your mind when you go in the studio like that. Yeah, I think I think that when you when we approached writing that record, it was very much written in the room. We we had a small uh, studio that we we sort of set up in Glasgow, and we we wrote the songs until they felt amazing to play in the room because we knew that we were going to be touring the record a lot. So if it doesn't feel good to play the yeah. three of us in a room in a tiny little rehearsal studio, then it's never going to feel amazing to play like on a stage or anything like that. So that that very much kind of informed the. Uh, the writing process and even the recording process, we tracked the whole record live, the sort of basis of it, and then um, sort of overdubbed some bits and bobs of it as well. Yeah, it was almost like a kind of, uh, we've had the kind of double-edged compliment of, oh, I really like your album, but you're so much better live. I like, hear that so much, it's like trying to capture what was so good about coming to a show and what people seem to really enjoy and get that across in the way that we kind of put together and recorded that, that last album. When you hear that kind of double-edged sort of a compliment, do you tend to find your mind reverting to like the hours you spent in the studio on something? Yeah, I don't think anyone ever means it in like a, oh, your albums don't sound good. I yeah. think they're just like, there's a lot more energy and stuff there. And it's just like how you kind of capture that when yeah. you're in the studio or when you're just thinking about putting together songs. I think that's been an interesting thing. Because no one really ever tells you that. Like, especially with rock music and when you're trying to make records, you nine times out of ten I'm not speaking for every rock band but you come from a live environment like that's how you learn how to write songs with each other and how to play your instrument and stuff from like that so you're trying to capture that feeling of live in the studio and sometimes I think you need to treat them as two separate things almost because in the past we tried to capture how big we thought it would be live on record and this time we kind of didn't go as far down that rabbit hole we kind of went what makes us feel good in this tiny in the smallest space what makes that good because then we can blow that up live and you're not getting exhausted by this really weird album that's trying to like make you feel like you're in a stadium when you're just trying to listen to it in your room yeah so um that's been a fun thing to learn and like the live the tracking of it and stuff allowed us to capture all of that feeling of the show like that excitement and then what's coming next and like sort of adapt to playing with each other that that I think made that album stand out like from the last couple of albums yeah I want to jump into some of the songs uh, Making Waves feels like it was a song that was a bit of a turning point for you a lot would that be fair to say? Mm-hmm. Somewhere, so. I think yeah, it was the first kind of the first song that you wrote yeah the first song the album, the album but sure. it didn't really like just became louder and played it through like you like said there was an acoustic version of it and we just went in the room jammed about it, and it was like that moment when we had that we're like right we know what this next album's roughly going to be it's like you just have that little thing that you can then jump off from yeah. um, and then it was like the first track that we released from it as well yeah, Making Moves was definitely the mission statement for the record we, fi- we sort of finished that song was finished and then it was like okay right that's kind of where where we can see this record sort of heading yeah, it definitely gave a good grounding to any avenue we wanted to explore on the album. Do you know, like it kind of start sort of like a grungy, rocky, proggy thing. Which is fun. Yeah. Which yeah. is fun. Yeah. When you're experiencing that in real time, when like you're feeling that a song is kind of permeating and kind of like inspiring the other songs you're working on, is that surprising to you a lot at all? Or does that just kind of make sense? It, it kind of, that 
song inspired? What am I trying? To... Almost builds up like a color palette. Like yeah. you, you kind of you utilize that sort of emotion and feeling of of how that song works, like me, like mechanically and sort of like like sonically. That sort of gives you the sort of colors to work from that you can blend other songs with. Like go like, well, let's take a bit of that song and put it in there. To me, it almost was the song for like maybe all of our albums that you've got like there's always kind of a tale of two halves. It's like there's some rock songs and some like bigger kind of rockier, yeah. that more upbeat. But there's always we love like the kind of the slower ones are the ones that you have the time to sit with and give songs that could be five minutes long and have a bit of space to progress and go. Um, and those ones always come quite naturally. And we always have a lot of fun with them. So making waves is maybe like a bit more of a blueprint for how we treat the kind of faster paced rockier ones that maybe aren't don't come as easy to us that we love and we love to play and we love to have as part of the band but take a bit more thinking about it or a bit more work sometimes and that was what we making waves is the way that we wanted to handle that side of songwriting and putting them together and then it gave us a space to just have like songs like oh yes and reflection and nothing to no one that are slightly different structures and just have a bit of fun with something that's mm-hmm. a bit mellower almost yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, Charm School is one hell of a song. The lyrics kind of remind me of old school Weezer in terms of the self-deprecating bluntness, but the song itself obviously has a lot more teeth to it. Um, how do you feel you're able to achieve that contrast? Because I feel like that's a very stark thing within that song. Uh, I suppose that's really funny that you mentioned Chris on the way in. So, like, Chris and Danny, and uh, so the five of us wrote that song with each other. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I can't really remember how it came to be. It was an afternoon. Yeah, it was like after an afternoon we and uh, everything was done. Well, yeah, we'd flown uh, back in from playing a f- festival somewhere in Europe, uh-huh. went to a gig, got, really got quite drunk, <laughs> hung over, went, we'd set up our little studio in Glasgow that we'd wrote all that album and, and demoed it all. We came in, it was like everyone plugged in, there was three guitars, a bass, we were just playing our stuff, Chris and Danny both had guitars, it just jammed out, like just played in the room for a bit an hour and a half two hours charm school happened Ross went through and just kind of hung over late sang over it and that's basically what the song is yeah it was just like a natural friends all hanging out together just it's like it's loud and really guitar because three people are playing guitar at the same time yeah and that just happened just working through a hangover <laughs> <laughs> what was Chris doing there like initially like, playing guitar he oh Chris Chris, Chris played live with us oh yeah, yeah. For, the, for about a year Oh yeah, nice one. Yeah, I should mention this is Chris Platt, one of the From best Blue Northern Americans. Irish people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. band Blue Americans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Chris, yeah, Chris had ended up, he'd been living in Paris and he wanted to leave Paris and we had a European tour coming up. And the guy who was playing guitar had just got headhunted into a marketing job and he was like, I see Andy's just left, I can come do that if you guys move me home from Paris. And then that worked and then we played shows for like a year with him. And that charm school lyrically and musically happened in like four hours without much thought and was readdressed I think I changed one lyric in the chorus I think I took two words out yeah and and that was it like I have no idea how it happened (laughs) that's all uh, some of my favourite songs or some of the ones that that seem to just connect just happen it's nice when that when you get that little moment where something just happens that's a moment of true inspiration comes out nowhere. Well that's something I was going to ask next because it must be really wicked for you guys being a band for as long as you've been and the fact that you could still have experiences like that. Oh for sure. Yeah. It's new all like we've been doing the band for since we were kids pretty much our whole lives it feels like uh, 
but you never really know what you're doing. It's, there's always like a surprise or something new to to learn and do. I think you can it. never do it the same thing twice. It doesn't never. You can, but it's just been bought. It just yeah. it doesn't feel right. You just constantly try to change it up. But do you know what? I think that's what you need to do. It makes it interesting. Yeah, uh, there's a beautiful collaboration album with uh, on the track "Nothing to Nothing No to One" know. with Bride, and uh, I'm really keen to hear that one came together because I feel that song particularly is. I mean, a lot of the songs I feel are reminiscent of like what people love about you. Though there's a lot of newness to them, but that song in particular is a really different kind of take of what I would expect from your band. I think I'd always wanted to have something. In the first album, there's a couple of female vocals and a couple of little duets and stuff, but that one was definitely written with some uh, with having someone else sing it in mind, and I was even thinking of having the majority of the song sang by someone else because um, there's a Slow Patrol song called Set Fire to the Third Bar that I always really loved so that was my initial sort of vision for that I thought we could have something kind of weird and that is sort of like dynamically very <coughs> very not reminiscent but it kind of sums up how heavy it gets on the album because it's probably the one of the loudest parts in the album is the end of that song but it's not like a rock song. Yeah. So it's like this sort of big emotive, like built around this riff that I wrote in my bed. I just, I just had an idea that I wanted a female duet, and then I had this idea for this riff, and I'd just been over to the States and got really drunk with my uncle-in-law, and we'd kind of fallen out with everybody, and the song was kind of about that and it was kind of like this sort of evening spent with them and yeah as soon as I heard Sarah's voice I knew that she was going to be the right person to sing on it and I just sent out the word to cross and we did it over email that's really so sweet and then we never met. met until the album was just about to come out and she opened some shows opened a show in London with us and we did the duet and then about three months ago or four months ago we were playing for the BBC and Bride or the other band on the show and we did it again on BBC The first time meeting was about an hour before (laughs) singing the song live for Soundcheck Soundcheck, and she's lovely yeah, we met, yeah, it must have been six or seven months after we recorded the album. That's the worst. What venue in London was it? Was it like Scala or... Virgin? No, it was, we did like a couple of those like small shows just before when we like put Making Waves Making Out. Waves so out, it yeah. was the Lexington. Lexington. Oh, okay, nice. That's a good room. Yeah, it's a good place. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I was really curious about to hear, and it was definitely like within seconds of seeing it, but I find that album artwork really striking. Um... This is for your latest album, Some of All Your Parts. For I don't think I mentioned the title. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking this whole time, but how did that artwork come together? Because that's a really amazing image. Chris did that. Chris did that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Chris and a guy called Glenn did it. GK Glenn Kennedy. They did a few album covers. They did one for a guy called Kieran Lavery, and then Chris also does all the Blue Americans covers with Glenn. Sure. And uh, yeah, Chris had kind of been involved in the not really the writing of the record apart from Charm School but he'd been a part of that year of touring that sort of informed the beginning of this album so I think he felt a connection to it he knew exactly where our heads were he'd been the sort of ambassador for lots of conversations and lots of he'd just been involved in lots of things that go along with being in a band we'd been in a band for 10 years by that point so uh, 
He just knew what we wanted. What we wanted. We just let him do it. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. like they had a couple of ideas, and then that one is sent through uh, really close to the deadline, as these things always are. Yeah, it's and we're like, that's amazing. Yeah, we just yeah. saw it and went. That's pet. Like I would never have gone. Oh, do a pet, do like a woman lying back with a flower exploding out of her face. Because yeah. that's just stupid. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but then you see it. But then you see it and you go, oh, that's cool. And I like yeah. the color of the background. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, what were like your rea- your initial reactions when you saw that? Because it was a very striking image. I it? thought it looked like an iconic album cover. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the all the album tracks on the front of it as well was something we we really wanted to sort of hammer home because not something you see very often like the, the title of the album and like because the songs are all as important as the title. Yeah. of the record certainly as to how we think about a record yeah we really did it with this album it was very much an album like we didn't like send it to like a record label or even our manager it was, uh, until we had all of the tracks mixed first mix then they could say if something sounded awful yeah, no. but then we like present it as the full thing with the album cover well that's so a very we, it was like our little I mean we've done three albums but that was the one that was just we kind of really just took the reins and we're like we know exactly what we're wanting to do and they just tried to work out what, how to do that and we just wanted them to hear that like year that we spent yeah. in that studio yeah. spending like six days a week in each other's company I think there's a sort of there's a lot to be said about if someone if you let someone hear something that's 70% done there's 30% worth of changes they think they can give you know, but if you give someone something that's 95% done then the people are a lot less inclined to be like I don't know. I think we we had a vision for it and we managed to achieve that. And I don't think we wanted any outside influence to come in and derail the whole process. And luckily, and everyone luckily trusted us. To, <laughs> yeah, everyone trusted us to, to do that, and that's quite a gamble though. Because if at the end you send it, and they go, "Not so sure about that." <laughs> I was gonna say though, because that's pretty mind blowing in the sense that, like, I mean, just like you said, like getting it to be essentially ninety five percent done. You didn't really give them any chance to give notes, which is yeah. kind of pretty amazing in a lot of Especially ways. Especially when they're paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end, of, there was like two. But to be fair, I think yeah, we, we got to the end and there only was like two notes on it. So yeah, yeah, we wanted like I guess ultimately a sort of record label or management and like our sort of internal team. They are the people we care about most. What they think about what we make, so we wanted them to hear the way we wanted everyone to hear it which is like as a record as an entire yeah. start to finish listen to the 10 tracks and that's that's how everyone that's what we we wrote it to be listened to like that so the people who work with us closest should experience that yeah yeah I like it. It a good idea. and they did and they, and they liked it <laughs> <laughs> I wish Thank I could hear it Back in January, you released an EP with some of the songs uh, reimagined. Uh, yeah. What prompted that? Like, what was it like to rework those songs? And yeah, what brought about that desire to even do that? We just wanted to, um, like, a lot of the time when you do an album, then you do like a bunch of acoustic versions all of it. And that was something that we'd been asked of us to do. And we went, well, see, instead of just sitting with an acoustic guitar, maybe a string section, that's been done by everyone a million times. Let's go in and just try something different. It's like a good opportunity to try putting the songs together in a different way, thinking about them in a different way, and just something that's nice to listen to. Like getting that EP you can just kinda you can yeah. sit on and it's just nice. Yeah. Nice to I mean to. sadly we are gonna have to go and do the dog shit acoustic versions of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I didn't really the dog shit <laughs> I'm sure they'll be beautiful. I'm sure they will be beautiful but it, it didn't, it didn't really satiate the appetite for what we should have done. Um, but I think that 
as an ex- uh, experiment for us to, to start to develop and, and nourish other ways of releasing music and, and arranging music and stuff, it was really important for us to see if we could do something like that and take all these songs that had been written in a very live and three PC like band arrangement and then take it and make it like an electronic EP or like a more sort of vibey EP and it worked so you know you never know if that's another avenue to, to branch down into for another record or something yeah we just it's, it's never just stagnating and doing the same thing and like standing still it's trying different things and trying to push ourselves as a band to get see better. what works and how we can get better yeah, you know, it's weird how in um, 2019 being a full-time band is almost a statement itself. Um, I've read interviews where in the past you've been vocal about the difficulties of making a band work in this day and age, like logistically and like yeah. the realities of that. Uh, I wonder, how have you found those experiences when it come for, when it's come to touring for your new record? Do you feel like things are different? or I mean, I would love to kind of hear you guys talk about those type of things. Well, like what, what being like a full-time band? Yeah, like well, the realities and that. The realities of it are... I mean, we're pretty lucky with it. Yeah. We've been a full time. We've been doing this full time now for a year and a half. Uh, two, two years almost. I haven't. I haven't worked. Nearly two years. Yeah. yeah like having like a wage. Like we get a, a monthly wage from yeah. being the band. Yeah. Who knows how long that lasts for? It yeah. depends what keeps going and if people keep coming to the shows and all that kind of stuff. But um, that was very much. I think all the stuff that we were talking about, what we wanted to do with this album was because we were lucky enough to be afforded the time to just like we honestly were in that studio like 9 to 5 or 10 to 6 or 11 to 7 most likely uh, 5, 6 days a week which you can't do if you've got a job yeah um, none of us are super like not all happy and stuff like that but none of us are like that greedy about money yeah. like it's a pretty amazing thing to make stuff up for a living and also <laughs> travel the world with your friends for a living like it might be a meagre living but it's incredible like you don't get to do it we've just been walking around Manhattan all day you yeah, don't get to do it. that if you like work in an office or like you work somewhere else so it's like we just make it work we've always made it work it's always been we've lost jobs and we've lost relationships and we've like messed stuff up in university and stuff like that just to be in a band so as soon as we got to do that and that wasn't even full time that was just as often as we could play in this band with each other we would and then something flipped and someone went cool just you can just be in this band for a bit so I think we've never taken it lightly or taken the the opportunity to make music for a living lightly like we're on the cusp of potentially having even if we don't put a record out next year we put it out the year after we'll have put out four full length records in six years so it's like we take it super seriously and we've always wanted to tour and write music and play music with each other so I think making bands work as soon as someone doesn't want to be in a band anymore is what makes it difficult and we've been friends forever and if ever we turn around to each other and go like look um, some days aren't as enjoyable as the other days but if someone turns around and goes I'm really not enjoying this anymore that's the difficulty of being in a band and like being away from home if you don't enjoy being away from home you don't enjoy being a bit skint and you don't enjoy I don't know disappointment I suppose (laughs) we all love we love disappointment (laughs) numb to disappointment (laughs) (laughs) but I think you need to have a thick skin as well as a thin skin so you need to be 
like approachable and engaging on a sort of emotional and human level and then also be able to take get the shit kicked out of you by a million things that are meant to happen that don't happen I think it's just like I don't know any different I've been in this band since I was a teenager yeah. so I suppose if you were starting something in your 20s and someone would go like for the next 10 years you can kind of have loads of these amazing experiences but they're going to be coupled with a bunch of like really harsh realities, and, harsh realities <laughs> and like you're going to think one thing and then something else happens and you never really know where you stand unless outwardly you never really know where you stand if inwardly you're you're having great relationships with people in your band with it's the best thing you can ever do yeah. yeah that's the thing yeah i think being in a band we were talking to someone other day it's like being in a band i mean that's that's a very mental thing to have to do to have to have this horrible like crazy close relationship with two other people two or three or four other people we've been super lucky that we're all quite sound and take it really seriously like loads of our pals have been in bands and like folk will be like they'll be really important gig and they'll just turn up so drunk they can't speak or they won't turn up or you won't do this you won't do that it's like we take we take the the responsibility of what we need to do to get to where we want to be or even just the fact that we get to be in a band full time that's a total that's amazing so you have to work really hard and keep each other in check and yeah I think I think being answerable to your two best friends is a, like an important dynamic to be like I don't think there's ever in the history of this band been an amount of selfishness that has actually been tolerated I don't think anyone's ever like been super selfish and that's driven a wedge yeah, I don't I think don't I think agree. everyone's always like every decision I make is made on an, a potential understanding of how it's going to affect Mark and Craig yeah. and I think everyone else is yeah. the same so it makes great it makes when you have times where you're like scrape by like you're maybe going on a tour or some of the shows aren't selling very well especially like in the past like quiet tour a bit rubbish or just there's always low points for every high point that you, you have yeah. and you've maybe not got that much money I mean it, it makes it so much easier when you, you hang out with your pals you actually get along, along with yeah and if because if that didn't work then it'd be a there's horrible thing in the band sometimes <laughs> it's just heavy class yeah it's mm. not like it's, it's glamorous and it's not glamorous if you're not enjoying <coughs> the people that you do it with then you won't enjoy the job no. yeah. like, it's never going to happen I'm curious to hear what were the last jobs that you did before the going to bed full time like what were the jobs you essentially quit to like just do the band I worked in a bar I just worked four or five nights in a bar I worked in a bar through university and did the band and then yeah I left working in the bar like two, uh, September two years ago maybe three years ago two and a half years ago uh, <laughs> I can't remember we went on tour with a band called Augustine's oh yeah they were great and then I didn't go back to working in the bar yeah. I worked in Domino's Pizza no shit yeah, I was an assistant manager there and then sacked off went to uni had some student loan and went back for a bit uh, and then delivered riders for people at a festival and then pretty much just started in the band and that was about the same time yeah I was an aeronautical engineer uh, in an fucking yeah, did that. Well, that's quite different. It was, yeah. I did, that was my that was my degree, and then I did that for a while, and then it's not as fun as being in a band. <laughs> I can imagine. Did it, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, like when you were talking before about just like the general g- thing of being in a band amongst each other. But 
I mean, did it feel good when you had that day when you knew you didn't have to go back to those jobs? I mean, obviously, but just like, tell me about that. Um, we did it. We went on tour and then. Uh, went on tour for ages. Yeah, we went on tour for ages and then we came back to not having to work anymore, so it was. But we went straight into writing yeah. the album. Like, that was like, we went in a big, really long, one of the longest tours we've ever done. Yeah, it was fucking. It was like two, two months or something. Two like and that. a half to almost three months, and we got back in the April, left at the start of the February, and then went into working five, six days a week writing something. Doing some of all your parts. Yeah, we got back on the Friday night and then on the Monday morning moved into our studio. Wow. So it didn't really, it didn't really feel like we have it. We ha- it didn't really feel. It was good because you were getting to go to the studio and decorate it, and then yeah, that was awesome. That, that first week was really so much really fun. fun. And I was like a total like yes. Yeah, take over this yeah this place and paint it and wear like boiler suits and get it all good. And just yeah. get like get some plants and make it all nice. <laughs> get like yeah, a year fresh now. Um, but then we just started working on that like every bloody day. So. You didn't really have that moment of just like arguably more stressful at points than our <laughs> jobs ever were, man. <laughs> so yeah, when you care about it, it's far more stressful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing. I don't really think we've taken very much conscious time off in the last like six years because there's not really. Not that we don't have the luxury of it, but you don't really have the luxury of it. Like, we want to be a touring band and we want to be a successful band and the avenues that we're going down are getting us there but it's because we're putting in so much work it's not like it's just happening because we've had some runaway successful song or like some incredibly successful album (laughs) we haven't and like the next time we speak when we're a fucking massive band because we put out that song and we haven't even hung out in a year, but we've been on <laughs> Like, that would be like. Well, that'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? We'll meet all our yachts up in the middle and just have a wee yacht party. But I don't One think day. any of us are work shy, and I think that's been the thing that. Meant we left those jobs and then we started this as a job, oh, yeah. not as a sort of like. a hobby, passion thing that we could do and pick and drop and take three years to write an album. We were like, no, if we have this time to do it we're going to spend this time doing that and yeah I think between putting out the second album and touring that and writing the third album and then getting that out I think we'd not been in each other's company for a maximum of like a 10 week. or 11 days <laughs> a week and a half yeah like I went on holiday for like 11 days and everyone took that 11 days off and then that was like it for that whole of 2017 wow I think and then That's we recorded takes. the album until the end of February yeah so from like yeah from basically the new year of 2016 so 31st of January uh, 31st of December pretty much until the 28th of February 2018 we'd had 10 days off or away from each other so like it wasn't that bad it, was it wasn't that bad it's class like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as we're playing now. I don't even think about it. It's, it's, it's something that you no, really think about, it. like in retrospect. You go, holy shit! You hung out all of us. That's the thing. It was when you went on that holiday, and I was like, oh, this is quite nice. Before I let you go here, I want to just go back to last autumn when you got the headline uh, at the Barrowland. I mean, yep. for people listening who might not be familiar with it, that's a very legendary venue, not just in that city, but in the whole of Scotland, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Arguably uh, even in the whole of the UK. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'd love to hear about that. what that experience was like for you as a band and as friends, because I mean, that's definitely one of those rooms I reckon you dream about headlining and to actually do it. What was that look? Yeah, there's a total... When you're a band from... 
Glasgow or the surrounding <laughs> areas. It'll be the same in most cities, I, I guess. There's like the kind of legendary, really small venue, then the kind of really legendary, like middle-sized venue, and then you get the big one. So like when you start off as a band, you have your bucket list tick off of like I want this in Glasgow. There's King Tut's, yeah, uh, and then there's a couple other venues that we went to see shows at when we were younger. We were like, oh, I wish one day I could play that. And I think the Barrowlands was the top venue. It's like the one that when you play, you go. As far as in Glasgow, we've made it now. This yeah. is class. Um, we had, we that was our, the one that we did there. Was actually our second time doing it. We'd done it just after the end of uh, kind of the end of the campaign for the second album, which was insane. But playing it the first time was kind of a bit overwhelming. Yeah. That time we went back and like kind of felt a bit more like maybe we deserved it, or it just was a little is slightly it, more comfortable, but it yeah. made it more enjoyable rather than just being nervous and having the responsibility of playing and the same stage that so many folk have came before. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time we did it was like, how the fuck did we manage to do this? <laughs> and then the next time was like, cool, we're just going to put a show on. Like, uh, we had, uh, had been touring and touring for that entire year between those two shows. And, mm. uh, um, yeah, it was just awesome. It was just great to, like, uh, Back there, and feel like you were like standing on the stage, looking out at a venue of whatever two thousand people, and being like, "I'm in control of this." Whereas the previous time, being like, "This is in control of me." Do you mean <coughs> this audience is in control of me and, and coming another way? And then we're even going back in May this year. We have a show in the Academy, which is like the next room up in Glasgow. So it's going to go like <coughs> the f- second record we did, fourteen hundred people. And then two thousand people on that, and then on this album we'll do two thousand people, and then like two and a half thousand people. Whoa. It's crazy. That's yeah. massive. Though. Yeah, it's huge. And I imagine the set list for that Barrowland show, for the most part, was like comprised of a lot of songs from some of all my parts. Like what, mm. like when you're playing a show like that of that size, and the crowd's receptive <laughs> to the most recent songs, what is that like for you? Uh, amazing. We did play a lot for that. We obviously like, especially in Glasgow, you can play like a good cross section of all three albums um, but no um. the thing about our fan base which has been incredible and I think it goes back to <laughs> in a really weird way if you want to be a fan of this band you want to be a fan of the band it's like there's not really a lot of outside influence of a great deal it's not like we've been this hypey hot band ever it's been like if you discover us like the majority of people that come we were on that tour there and people were coming up to us and going, oh, this is my 15th time seeing you. Wow. This is my 20th time seeing you. Or there's a girl that came to the show yesterday that flew from Paris to come to the show in New York. Holy and shit. it's like, people who fly all over the world to see this band and like come and see this band 10, 15, 20 times. And I think it's like, we got to stand on that stage in a relative amount of confidence that the people that came to that show would have listened and got to know that record because they love the band which is a crazy thing to be able to do yeah. like even on that tour we just finished in the UK 8 out of the 10 songs of some of our parts were in the set list and it, f- it wasn't weird the audience was like as receptive and knew all the words as well as they did from an album like about 2 years ago or 4 years ago so it's like <coughs> we're in a very lucky position because we've never had that one song that people wait to hear at the end of the show. It's not like we have like one massively successful song and then three albums of like songs. It's like 
everything pretty much has equal weighting, which is a crazy thing to 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 do. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So yeah, that sort of that show was like that these songs were a month old in everyone else's eyes, and they were everyone knew them, everyone knew the words, and it was all like it's an incredibly receptive and an engaging audience that we have that they engage with us and engage with the music and that's crazy you can't really force that I don't think you can force that down people's throats yeah uh, it's nuts yeah it's something beautiful though Father so that's for child I really do appreciate it yeah thank, thank you, you very much for having us yeah, of course